Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. Alrighty, how about a little inflation stuff? Consumer price indexes. Year uh, to year. <laughs> wage <laughs> growth. Inflation stuff. Uh, so uh, inflation numbers are out. So some more uncomfortably high inflation I guess it depends on how you look at it. Of course, the White House is doing a victory lap. Consumer prices, CPI, rose uh, 7.1% in November from a year ago. Big number. Uh, But it's down from October of this year, right? So in October, the inflation number, that's what we're going to call it, the CPI, was 7.7% year over year. In November, it's down to 7.1%. But it depends on what your definition of bad news is, right? Year over year, that's a pretty crappy number. Yeah. That's a bad number. But compared to October, the Biden administration, they're having a parade for themselves. Oh, today. they're 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 square dancing, they're dosy doing there. <laughs> um, this is Joe Biden talking about his economic plan. Now, twenty one months later, we can see how our our economic plan is working. It's working. Last- it's working. Nige, did you catch that? I caught it. Okay. I, I just, I dropped it though. Okay. I see what <laughs> you did there. Um, here's a little bit more from uh, Joe Biden in regards to wages and prices. Last several months, wages have gone up more than prices have gone up. Wages have gone up more than prices have gone up. All right. Stop that right there because that's a lie. That's a bald faced lie right there. The rate of inflation has outpaced the wages of Americans 20 months in a row. 20. Real real hourly earnings have also declined every single month that Joe Biden has been in office. There hasn't been one damn month that Joe Biden has been the president where the earnings haven't declined compared to the inflation rate. And so everybody's doing cartwheels on the West Lawn, you know, that uh, the Consumer Price Index, CPI, which is kind of like, you know, commonly purchased goods and services all bundled together, kind of the aggregate price level in the economy. It's down from October, like you said, but still a year ago, it wasn't anywhere near this. And But, hey, they're coming down, so high fives and... Slaps on the asses for everybody there in the Biden administration. We do the work so you don't have to. So let's look at the numbers compared to November of a year ago. Because, again, these are the November numbers that are out. Gas is up 10.1%. Fuel and oil up 65.7%. Electricity up 13.7%. Groceries are up 12%. Baby food up 10.9%. Eggs, freaking eggs are up almost 50%. And heaven forbid you travel, airline fares up 36%. Now, those are some pretty big numbers, but you know what's down? Real 
average hourly earnings. They're down 1.9% compared to last November. We have some friends that have um, have chickens. They get like farm fresh eggs. They just, I mean, they just, their chickens like just lay a ton of them. They just gave a bunch to us. Oh man, I feel like I could eat those things like apples. Almost. <laughs> They're so good. My wife got some out on the grill, the Blackstone last night. You got to find some friends with some chickens. Because they start like they're trying to sell them bit by bit, and I, I could imagine what you know organic farm fresh eggs would normally cost if you go somewhere that sells them. I'm sure they're still very expensive, but man, Dylan and Melody, oh, those are primo eggs. But fifty percent higher than a year ago, or right. higher than average. That's that's utterly ridiculous and unacceptable. And listen, we all knew inflation was going to be a problem. We knew it was going to be high. But for Joe Biden to go up there and say, yeah, the real average hourly earnings, they're, they're outpacing the inflation. No, they're not. This senile old goat is lying right to your face. Uh, we've got producer Sam here. Hit me with a little legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. Let's talk about a different Sam. Let's talk about that crypto dork, Sam Bankman Freed, <laughs> the guy with the huafro, the white man afro. Mm-hmm. He was arrested in the Bahamas last night. Now, that was the night before he was supposed to testify before the Finance Committee. That was going to be the big hearing today. He was going to Zoom in to the finance committee and they were going to have this come to Jesus hearing where we were going to get down to the nitty gritty about what happened to all those billions of dollars. Yeah, the collapse of FTX, the uh, again, the cryptocurrency uh, meltdown that just, you know, poof, out of thin air, nothing. I mean, just disappeared. And it, he's a f- f- fraudster. He's like, he came out today and said, well, I effed up, but I didn't mean to commit fraud. Well... Just because you didn't mean to commit fraud doesn't mean it's not fraud. Right. Maybe OJ only meant to kill <laughs> one person. Fact of the matter is, looks like he did too. Uh, so this little weenie, Sam Bankman Freed, now facing the following charges. Wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud, and money laundering. There's one more in there that you left out. Violating campaign finance laws. Bingo. Uh, which is, you know, he was one of the largest political donors to the Democrat Party. Hundreds of millions of dollars. I believe he was number two behind Soros in terms of money funneled into the DNC. Let's not forget about that. So I know a lot of people are upset that he did not have a chance to face the music today at the finance Well, he committee. got arrested, so. He's- but the timing of the arrest, that's what people are having a hard time with here because you knew where he was at. You've had this whole time to arrest him, or you could have done it after the hearing. They chose to do it right before, literally hours before he was supposed to speak to the finance committee. Some people are upset with this, Nige. I don't happen to be one well, of them. Could he have been a flight risk, though? I, you know, the thing is, he's in the Bahamas, and, and I don't think the extradition process is too complicated between the United States and the Bahamas. But he also said he's only living off a credit card. He's probably got a hundred grand to his name now. So maybe maybe the flight risk thing wouldn't have been such a uh, thing to worry about. So maybe that was what you know. Maybe that was a factor in this whole thing. I don't think it would have made a difference anyway. 
because what happens at these hearings, and we say this all the time, everybody gets their zingers, everybody gets that one soundbite that they could use on television and radio, we do the same thing, and then ultimately, nothing happens. Sure, I'd rather him be arrested and hauled in front of a, a jury than some sort of congressional committee. Right. To be sure, no, you're absolutely right. I wonder if his, um, just made me think, is his... His, his homely, doofus, bespectacled girlfriend going to be hauled in front of Congress or arrested at any point? Like, and how horrible is she that you're known as the homely one? <laughs> Look at your boyfriend. Look at that guy. See, she was the CEO of another company that his her boyfriend founded. I think it was, oh, what's it called? Alameda Research or something. It was another, uh, it was like a hedge fund that um you know gambled with a bunch of client money on risky trades so she she needs everybody associated with this outfit needs to be arrested so now we wait and see is this guy going to get the jeffrey epstein treatment because i think already you need to make sure <laughs> that there are some cameras in place for this guy because there's a lot of money missing there's a lot of paper trail going to the dnc oh, here sure so let's see how this whole thing plays out. I saw on Twitter earlier, everybody was saying Sam Bankman Free did not kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there. Just throwing that Thank out you. there. All right, Matt Bear, what's going on? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. All right, Hammer, you tell me. Are, are we overwhelmed or are we underwhelmed by the uh, Purdue uh, football coach that's just been named? We got, you know, the previous coach, Brom, went down to Louisville. That's his hometown. He's like a king down there. And uh, you got to find somebody to replace him. It's Ryan Walters. Damn it, the- Walter. <laughs> <laughs> like, next time Purdue loses a game, that's going to be trending. Anybody that's watched Big Lebowski, damn it, Walter. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, this defensive coordinator for the University of Illinois. That was his last gig. Illinois played some pretty good defense, but I don't know. It feels like Purdue has their best success when they've got like an offensive mastermind calling the shots. Because I don't think you're going to out-muscle or out-defense Michigan, Ohio State, you know, people like that, Wisconsin but you can do your damnedest to try to outscore them. And that's always been like when Purdue has had success in football. So give the dude a shot. You know, we'll see what he's got in store. Maybe he's great at recruiting. I have no idea. But Ryan Walters is the new head coach for Purdue football. Sad day in coaching. Speaking of, uh, Mississippi State, their head coach, Mike Leach, passing away at the age of 61. Yeah, wow, big blow. Used to coach for Texas Tech. A buddy of mine played for Texas Tech under him. Big, big emotional day for sure uh, for people. That, and he loved him too. Loved the guy. He was a colorful yeah. dude. Like, college football is better with Mike Leach. And unfortunately, sounds like he had a massive heart attack. Took his life way too young. 61 years old. Personality for sure, though. Right. So here's a little best of Mike Leach. 
Now, again, don't get it twisted. He was a great football coach, too. He put some points on the board. His teams had success, but he was a fun guy. This was, I think, during a game. During a game, and it was around Halloween time. We talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your favorite Halloween Candy corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Uh, (laughs) uh, When I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, Gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar yeah. store to find it. But I do. <laughs> and then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. You got to love Leach there because the, the hack generic question from the reporter, what's your favorite Halloween candy? And uh, he turned something, you know, he tur- basically turned a joke of a question into something really funny. And I, hey, the spree's in the box. Are you kidding me? That's a staple. And it's a game. You hear the band playing in the background, <laughs> yeah. the crowd's there, and he takes you down a road of why Europe is beating the United States in the candy market. Uh, this is head coach Mike Leach talking about what to expect when you get into a marriage. The women lose their mind. Your fiance's going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind, and um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course, my answer was, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. During their <laughs> spring game, you know, this is just the intra-squad game they play in the spring. The fans come in. The bands are there. You hear the cowbells at Mississippi State. It was an early kickoff. So he's walking in with a cup of coffee. And let's go to ESPN's coverage. Got your coffee. Yeah. It is early. How do you take your coffee? What's the best way to take your coffee? Well, coffee tastes terrible anyway. So <laughs> don't put anything in it to obstruct the harsh, bitter taste. And just put it down one sip at a time you know so it's just all about the effect the taste it's not about the experience at all it's about the outcome no the experience is terrible (laughs) (laughs) i'm with it for the most part i mean i'll drink coffee i've loaded up with sugar and cream but uh yeah well and usually the outcome for me isn't very well in terms of my intestinal problems that (laughs) arise out of uh, too much coffee this last clip may be my favorite. <laughs> this is when his team had underperformed, and he was looking for a reason as to why his players underperformed. As coaches, we failed to get through to them. As, as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little <laughs> girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how uh, how easy it's going to be and how, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of people. Everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game. Well, I, I mean, that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football. And uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them. But you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. Uh, and if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad. <laughs> I'm sure there was somebody somewhere on ESPN, one one of those woke. 
twerp reporters that got offended by that that was outraged for sure. <laughs> Fat little girlfriend. He said it like five times. <laughs> Rest in yeah, peace, man, head coach Mike Leach. That's awful. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, man, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. I think Elon Musk, who is the uh, owner and founder of uh, Tesla, also now the owner of Twitter, looks pretty good uh, releasing these internal Twitter documents, uh, these emails showing how things we've been talking about for years were actually going on inside of Twitter in terms of suppression and censorship. I still have my questions about Elon and his relationship with China and, you know, the Tesla factories there. Is he okay with uh, the Chinese government and their bosses making those workers in Tesla stay overnight and, you know, can't leave the factory? You know, all that stuff, you know, I, I have lots of questions on, but I do think he looks real good in this part of the world and he's definitely a, a is for free speech no question about that and twitter the people that were running twitter from jack on down to the executives that were kind of running the uh, asylum they were not for free speech they were all about suppression and they were all about censorship and they called us liars and called us conspiracy theorists for talking about the quote-unquote shadow banning oh no it doesn't do that you guys just you're conspiracy theorists well now hammer we know of course we were right the entire time and it's not a surprise. I mean, there's hasn't been anything that's came out where I've really said, "Oh, wow, I had no idea." I mean, the, the stuff with Trump, man, I maybe not surprised, but I'm just shaking my head and raising my eyebrows with the Trump. They they knew that he didn't do anything wrong and they were still looking for a way to ban him off the platform and they did. And they acknowledged as much through uh, through private conversations. And, and why the, wouldn't they? Because they knew nobody was going to hold them accountable. Yes. They were all in this together. It wasn't just Twitter. I guarantee you, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and folks at YouTube, they were all in this together. And those executives that were meeting with the upper echelons of the FBI from week to week and month to month, and was there any guidance towards the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop through um, through the federal government? It's just, it's almost, I mean, that does, it doesn't surprise me, but it gives me pause. It's like, man... What is going on? That is some like straight up China, North Korea type stuff where you have governments colluding with social media platforms to suppress things that they know are true and calling it Russian disinformation. Right. It's chilling, man. It is. And I just wish that Elon Musk and these journalists that have the Twitter files would put them out at a better time. Because when you work in broadcasting or journalism, you know what a news dump is. That's when you put something out at Friday, Friday evening or Saturday night. It's a news story, but you don't really want a lot of people to pay attention to it because by the time Monday rolls around and the morning talk shows are back and the news is back on a regular cycle, it's a whole new news cycle by then. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me that Donald, or Donald Trump, Elon Musk wouldn't want people to pay attention to this. He wouldn't want this to be in the news. I think also what's going on is when you have 
streaming platforms like Netflix, they drop entire series all at once uh, on a Friday night at three o'clock in the morning. People are going to get that information. People are going to watch it no matter what time. It's just that we kind of live in a different day and age where people consume information a little bit different than they did back 10, 12 years ago. Content and information, I think, is a different discussion here. Because you're right. People will binge watch the new season of the, Cobra Kai yeah. on a weekend. You're right. They'll set their alarms for 3 a.m. I know people that do it. But the news cycle isn't talking about what Ralph Macchio did that <laughs> night. The <laughs> news cycle talks about what's happening in the yeah, news not the in mainstream, the world. Not the mainstream news cycle. Uh, we've got more firings from Elon Musk. So I think this is a good thing. Uh, Twitter announced late last night that it's disbanded the Trust and Safety Council. Now, if you followed the Twitter files, one of the recent drops of information showed that Yoel Roth, former employee, was probably the last guy alive you would want to be the head of your Trust and Safety Department especially when he's made some pretty controversial statements about how he thinks kids, students in school, should be able to have sexual relations with their teachers. Hey, Elon Musk is basically implying on Twitter in some of his posts that, that there wasn't enough done or it was just kind of put to the wayside in terms of child exploitation and battling that side, that very dark side of Twitter. And Roth was a big part of that. Right. He was a big part of the content moderation which is odd for a guy who, according to Elon Musk, had his thesis statement, his dissertation at the University of Pennsylvania, where he tried to argue that children should be able to access serious adult content on the Internet. That's weird, man. Some some people are trying to say that that's a misrepresentation of what he said, but, man, it's just... It's really, I mean, you're right. This Roth dude is the last guy you'd want running the Trust and Safety Council, which has been disbanded altogether on Twitter. Uh, speaking of Elon Musk, he made the mistake of ripping Dr. Fauci on Twitter over the weekend. And uh, man, lefties' heads were spinning around. Uh, David Frim, he's a writer for The Atlantic, puts this tweet out. Quote, the anti-Fauci stuff comes from the same emotional place as the Hunter Biden fantasies. The desperate hunt for a scapegoat for Trump's defeat absolves Trump and his supporters of responsibility for his and their own mistakes and crimes. What, what did, what did, who's the guy? Oh, I, think, I think it's David Frum. I think is the guy's name from Atlantic. And what, and what did, if you remember what Donald or what Elon Musk said Something about he, he was mocking people with pronouns on Twitter, and then he said something like, my pronoun is prosecute Fauci. Right. Or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and then people are mad about that, and then they're also mad that, they're, that he was mocking people with pronouns. So he puts that out there, and then you've got... You know, this guy from The Atlantic, which is a super oh. left-leaning publication. Like, they are to the extreme left. Like, if you think CNN is left, go about 55 feet over and you're going to find The Atlantic. And they say that it's a fantasy to bring up the Hunter Biden stuff. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't all of that stuff came true? Isn't that really what started the whole Twitter files conversation? Not only that, but the, the publication's... 
tried to squash it. They squashed it, and then they say, ah, well, it's no big deal because nobody would have, you know, Donald Trump still would have lost the election anyway. So nobody, but then if that was the case, why try to squash it? Why try to hide it? Why did the Washington Post, uh, why did um, Twitter suppress that information? And now everybody on that side is like, ah, who cares? It's no big deal. David or um, um, uh, Joe Biden would have been elected anyway. If that's the case, that's the way you felt. Why suppress it? Why squash it? And their fascination with carrying the water for Dr. Fauci still floors me. Like, this is a guy that has been wrong every step of the way and doubles down the entire way. At first, it was don't wear a mask. You're ridiculous if you want to wear a mask. And then, sweet mother of God, put your mask on. But then, when you're confused, he'll blame you for not understanding. <laughs> like, anything that disproves their Lord and Savior, Dr. Fauci, they have a hard time with. It's bizarre to me. Like, folks on the left will look at Trump supporters and go, you're in a cult. Well, look what you do to Dr. Fauci. It's gross and it's ridiculous. Speaking of the Fauci, can I call him the Fauci? Sure. Uh, CNN's Chris Wallace, formerly a Fox, and now he's at CNN. He had a sit-down with Dr. Fauci because he can't go five minutes without being interviewed. And I thought Fauci was retiring. I thought he was leaving the spotlight. Oh, God, it can't happen fast enough. Uh, he asked him about the closures that took place during COVID early on. Could we have been less restrictive about schools and less restrictive about closing down the economy yes. and focused, if not from the very start, earlier on, on the elderly? You know, in the absence of vaccination, Ugh. that would have been very difficult to do. But right now that you have the ability to vaccinate people, you can actually clearly be much more liberal and open in what we're doing, which is where we... We are really right now. But in the very beginning, when essentially everyone was at risk of infection, you can pass it on to someone else inadvertently, innocently, and have that person suffer a dire consequence. So when you're dealing in the beginning, it was like a tsunami that you needed to shut off quickly and then open up as quickly as you possibly can. Now, yeah. this is a fact. This isn't me being a partisan or you're some right-wing talking head. This is a fact. After the vaccines were rolled out to this country, COVID cases went up and so did deaths. Those are facts. So for Dr. Fauci to sit there and say, well, we had to do it because we didn't have the vaccines. Well, we had the vaccines and then we opened up. A lot of these businesses were just fine, even though we still fought against COVID. And even before the vaccines, we had therapeutics. We knew who was at risk. We were quarantining healthy people. We were keeping healthy kids out of school. We know the disease. There weren't vectors of the disease, and they weren't severely affected by disease. And, and for him not to even mention the fact that, yeah, maybe we should have concentrated on the therapeutics that were made available at the time that we knew that helps lessen the severity of the disease, especially in the elderly. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe New York and Michigan should have probably rethought putting COVID positive elderly patients transferring from the hospital back into their nursing homes. Yeah, that was probably a big mistake. And don't forget, here in Indiana, Governor Holcomb, if he would have had his way, would have made you somebody that would have either paid a fine or gone to jail for not wearing a mask. He yeah. wanted that to happen. It's outrageous. Um, in that interview that Fauci did with Chris Wallace, Wallace asked him about that infamous I am the science remark. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. 
because I represent science. I'm science. Can you understand when you yeah. say I represent sure. science? So when you're criticizing me, you're actually criticizing the scientific facts because I'm just the vocal and visible vehicle of the scientific facts. That's what I meant when I was saying you're yeah. criticizing science. I wasn't mean to be that, oh, holy me, I'm science. That's not what I was talking about. I, I don't see the distinction. I'm not sure I see I any dif difference in that answer. It's he's the same saying, answer. He's still saying I'm a science. Right. You criticize me. That's what he said before. He just kind of worded it differently. And that's what Dr. Fauci does. He takes every side of every argument so he can't be wrong and then he'll double down when you try to give him some brushback that's what this old clown does uh, i am the science which that line right there i am the science if you think back to i believe it was the trailer park boys oh, yeah lady <laughs> i am the liquor we can't be involved with murder mr lee is this you talking or the liquor <laughs> I am the liquor. <laughs> I am the liquor. I am science. Oh, man, I used to be so obsessed with the Trailer Park Boys a couple of years ago. I know they've been out for a long time. And R.I.P. Mr. Leahy, by the way, he passed away. But uh, Randy, I am the liquor. <laughs> Love that show. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So wait a minute. Fauci's the science, Leahy's the liquor, and Matt Bear is the traffic. I love it. <laughs> Randy Bobandy. <laughs> 42 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. And Sam hit me with a little mood music here. Oh. Goodness. Dateline Las Vegas. A woman and her friend parked at somebody's home near a Las Vegas neighborhood. Another vehicle parked in front of them. Two or three men got out and approached the women reached a weapon and put it next to the women's head. Oh, no. Carjack. Carjacking the women. Oh. And then one of the men got inside the car, but it was one of those push-to-start cars. Like, I've got one of those. You <laughs> yeah, push the button too. to start. The carjackers had no idea how to do it. So while he was trying to figure it out, he put the weapon on his lap. Smart move. The woman that was getting jacked grabbed the weapon and used it on the carjacker. <laughs> yeah! Oh, I love it when bad things happen to bad people. I do, too. And this these, is great because she shot him to death. These ignorant criminal thugs are dead now because they couldn't figure out a push-button starting system in a, in a modern vehicle. Good. And the Good Las riddance. Vegas Police Department say the women acted in self-defense, won't be charged in the incident, Bravo. and there's dead bad guys. Not My all hero. heroes wear capes. Don't go anywhere. Top stories coming up next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it.
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. You and I were watching TV earlier. The illegal border crossers in El Paso averaging about 2,400 a day. It's unsustainable there in that city. It's reports of, of El Paso turning into much somewhat similar to a third world country right now because when title 42 expires it, you think it's bad now hammer that illegal immigrants are, are going to flood the board I don't, look i don't blame them for wanting to come here i don't blame them for being lured here with the the, the policies of the biden administration say you know they're, they're basically saying no don't come but the policies say otherwise it's saying something and then doing something very different in terms of sanctuary cities and getting rid of title 42 which is at Trump era public health order with COVID. They get rid of that. It's, I mean, you thought the floodgates were open then. It's bad. It's real bad. And it's only going to get worse. But is anybody surprised? Foreign policy has never really been a strong suit for the Biden administration, whether it's the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, a horrible trade to release the merchant of death, or just basically ignoring What's happening down at the southern border right now? Remember when he was in Arizona last week uh, going on about the manufacturing chip plant that was there? Anybody, hey, Mr. President, you know, you know, visit the border while you're here? I got more important things to do. There's more important things going on. How would you feel well, if you lived in El Paso and you heard that? If you live in any of these border towns and you hear the president say, I've got more important things yeah. like a chip meeting to go to. Like, that's so insulting. That's ridiculous. But not all Democrats feel that way because California's governor, greasy Gavin Newsom, he at least visited the border and he did a little video on social media. Uh, uh. He's come back from Mexicali, which is on the other side of the border, while I had the opportunity to meet with the governor and meet with some international humanitarian leaders, as well as many migrants from Haiti, from Guatemala. And from parts of Mexico that are waiting for their asylum processing right here at the border. So we're here now on the other side uh, in Calexico and uh, here just to get an understanding, a deeper understanding of what the world looks like pre uh, Title 42 and what it likely is going to look like in a few weeks post Title 42. He's all for as many illegal immigrants coming to his state as possible. Don't let him fool you. You see what's going on here, right? He's totally running for president. See, I could go down to the border. I'm a, a far left-leaning progressive liberal, but I've been to the border. And he's talking about, you know, he didn't, you didn't hear them saying anything about illegal border crossings. He said asylum seekers. Right. He, he used the word asylum seekers. And, of course, yes, people are seeking asylum from oppression. But uh, most, most of these illegal immigrants are seeking a better way of life, a better income. And, I, I look, I understand it. I get it. I'd want to escape from those assholes as well. But that is not the standard for seeking asylum uh, when you claim economic asylum. Like, that's not, that's not the standard. No. You, you and can't. I see what Gavin's doing here because if he wants to try to primary Joe Biden, let's just for argument's sake say that Biden wants to continue to try to be the president and nobody's got the stones to tell him don't run. Newsom's going to try to primary him by saying, at least I went there. You said you had more important things to do. Now, neither one of these guys are going to do a damn thing about it, but Newsom can at least say that he went down there, which to his credit is more than Kamala, and that's more than Joe Biden combined. <laughs> 
Yeah, I forgot Kamala's the the borders are right. All right, some borders are. She finally yeah. made it to Europe, so we're making progress. <laughs> Next stop is the border. Because remember that was her go to line a couple of years ago when yeah. she was asked, "Have you been to the border?" Well, I haven't been to Europe either. Well, good news, <laughs> she's been to Europe. Next stop, the border. Um, Sam, can we fire off a hypocrisy alert? Goodness, haven't had one of these in a while. It's not just Franken-Carry. Old John Kerry that's a fraud when it comes to climate care. It's also Pete Buttigieg. Is that what they're calling it now, climate care? Climate care. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg, according to a new report, has taken at least 18 flights on taxpayer-funded private jets despite calls to curb all of the emissions. Now, keep in mind, these private jets, which usually only carry a couple of people, put out a ton of carbon, but I'm sure Pete Buttigieg is fine oh, with that. Oh, they leave a gigantic carbon footprint every time they fly. It's it, That's why... That's why you'll see occasionally celebrities like that you would think would never fly commercial. There's some celebrities that are conscious like that, and I'll give them credit. Like that one time you saw Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt getting on a Delta flight, <laughs> some, some, some sort of regional uh, flight uh, across the country, and, or you know, to the next state. I'm like, what, what are they flying commercial for? Well, they say they think their their thing is that if you fly commercial, it's, it's better than flying uh, private. It's, it's better for the environment. Apparently, Pete Buttigieg doesn't feel the same way. And it's very hypocritical because, like you said, that's all he talks about is green energy and lowering the carbon footprint. And I believe did somebody from the Trump administration get fired for the exact same thing. Tom Price. Price. Exactly. He had yeah. 26 private jet flights in a year, and that cost taxpayers $1.2 million. Well, Mayor Pete, Secretary Pete now, he's on his 18th private flight, oh. and he's the face of climate care. Now, again, let's go down the timeline. It was global warming, and then it was climate change, and now it's climate care. They'll always change the verbiage of it to fit exactly what's going on in society again in washington today they had a hearing about the collapse of cryptocurrency and ftx that weird looking dude with the afro sam bankman fraud as we're going to call him moving forward the guy with the wafro he got arrested last night so of course he did not take part in this hearing with the finance committee today but the acting ftx ceo a guy by the name of John J. Ray III, he spoke to the lawmakers. The FTX group's collapse appears to stem from absolute concentration of control in the hands of a small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals <laughs> who failed to implement virtually any of the systems or controls that are necessary for a company entrusted with other people's money or assets. Well, that'll make you feel better, right? Hey, it's, it's okay. We were just incompetent. <laughs> and I think he's glossing over the part where they're fraudulent. There was fraud going on. He's he's trying to make the excuse that the people that were in charge of the company before he got there were incompetent. And what were the words? I forget. I, they were. That was pretty funny. He just kind of glossed over, kind of skipped over the fact that, yeah, they were frauds, too. And they defrauded people. And that's what the charges are. 
I mean, plenty, multiple charges of fraud on several different levels. So how many of those Democratic lawmakers that got money from this guy yeah. are going to give it back? How many of them do you think are going to say, you know what, we didn't realize where the money was coming from, we're going to give it back? The over-under is set at zero. The, the, the vicious cycle from Ukraine. Ukraine had dealings with this company as well. It was kind of a cycle. They'd get money from FTX and then donate it back to them, and then they'd donate it to the Democratic plan. I mean, hundreds of millions donated uh, from FTX and SBF to uh, to the Democrat Party. Hundred, like the, the number two donor last year. Right. Soros was one, and Huafro was two. <laughs> That's the amount of money we're talking about here. Um, if you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, Nige, I know we're always looking for a reason to celebrate. What, what time is it? What, yeah. <laughs> oh, 4.15. All right. There's my reason right there. Life's too short not to have a little fun. Happy 74th birthday to friend of the show, Ted Nugent. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Uncle Ted. We had him on the show. He's so good. I think he's been on a couple times. The last time he came on, we asked him about... What's it like when you go on the road? Because at the time, I think he was touring with like John Rich and Toby Keith and some other folks. What gets talked about? I'm just going to go on a hunch here and say you don't see a lot of resist T-shirts at your shows. You don't see Antifa members uh, showing up at the shows. Uh, take no. me through uh, some of the conversation that takes place on the road with you and John Rich and some of the other guys. What are you talking about when you're not on the stage? Well, you know, it's not unlike what we do on stage. I know these guys, you know, Big and Rich, and again, his whole band. And I, I hang out with country dudes. At least they, they claim to be country dudes, like, you know, Toby Keith and, and just so sure. many great, great, talented guys. But they really sing a, a soulful, you know, more blues-oriented. They might get a little uppity and poppy at times, God forbid. <laughs> but they, they, they celebrate working hard, playing hard, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, God, family, country, freedom, backstraps, firepower, you know, rugged <laughs> individualism, taking care of yourself, self-sufficiency, you know, raise, here's the most important, especially now, and I've always been condemned as a radical, because I actually have the audacity to believe that a guitar player who authored Wango Tango has the right to be a we the people celebrant of an experiment in self-government. Hello! <laughs> 74th birthday to Ted good. Nugent. He looks good, too. I mean, he takes care of himself. Yeah, Doesn't he's in great shape. Never, you know, probably a, a, a solid meat eater, kills all his own food. <laughs> right. Wow. And, of course, it was that conversation where we got his thoughts on the gun grabber policies of one Beto O'Rourke. Hey, Beto, eat me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ted Nugent. Matt Bear. Uh. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? I will run a couple of different stories by you. You be the one to tell us if these stories are anything or not. Is this a story we need to have more discussion about, or if it is nothing, we all move on with our lives? Sounds good. Is this anything? A Florida man admitted to authorities <laughs> that he set a police vehicle on fire and said that when he gets drunk, 
He does stupid things. <laughs> Here is Denise yep. of the uh, Hernando County Sheriff's Office talking about the confession to the crime. Yeah, I'm the one who did that. I set that car on fire. He went on to say that he was a professional arsonist. I wasn't targeting that because it was a police car. I was going to set it on fire if it would have been a minivan. Thank God it didn't explode or, you know, in an apartment complex, there are a lot of people around, a lot of other cars. I I believe the charges are lessened because he said that he didn't intend for it to be a police car. He didn't matter what it was. It could have been a minivan. It could have been a... It could have been a Datsun. Clown car. It could have been a clown car. Uh, I'm a professional arsonist. I was drunk, and I do stupid things when I'm drunk. And um, uh, one of those things was, uh, you know, I, if I would have known it was a police car, I don't think I would have set it on fire. But who knows? I do. Again, that's the Florida man's excuse. I, <laughs> I do stupid stuff when I'm drunk. Of course, when you when you label yourself as a professional arsonist, it maybe goes without saying. Yeah, but you know what? At the same time, you got those people that work at Subway saying, well, I'm a sandwich artist. That's right. No, well, you make sandwiches. Yeah, but at least they're not doing anything illegal. They're trying to make an honest buck. This guy wasn't even trying to make a buck. He's just an arsonist, a, prof- <laughs> a, a professional arsonist. Who's hiring you to be? Yeah, How do you be a prof- How are you a professional artist, uh, arsonist uh, if you're not getting paid? Right. You, you can't be a pro at something unless somebody is paying you, giving you a paycheck. Right. That's a great point. Like, are you an arsonist for hire? Like, does someone say, hey, I need a house burned down. Here's 50 grand. Go make it happen. No, because he doesn't. It sounds like this was just a, a random thing that he did. I didn't even know it was a police car. I do stupid stuff when I'm drunk, though. We've all we've all been there, haven't we? You know, you we have can... a few cocktails. <laughs> next thing you know, you got, you know, some gas and a match and you burn up a car. You have a few cocktails. Then all of a sudden you're throwing Molotov cocktails. Right. That's exactly what we do here. Is this anything? A small plane pilot pranked his sleeping wife who was seated next to him on the plane by doing a real quick maneuver. I saw this. Let's hear how (laughs) well that went over. Play it again, Sam. This is what play it again. I'm watching it right now. It's hilarious. You know, the one time I'm not looking for pranks is when you're 15,000 feet up in the air in a very small airplane the guy i don't know what he did i don't know if he like immediately hit i I guess it would be the equivalent have you seen people that prank their buddies that are on the road you're on a road trip and they're sleeping in the passenger side and all of a sudden you hit on the you hit the brakes and start screaming (laughs) and it scares the crap out of people that were asleep this is kind of the same thing i'll post this here in just a second at hammer nigel on twitter but yeah i i look just fly the plane right right don't get cute you know, in the plane. I feel like the small plane crashes are the ones that crash a diamond dozen. You always hear. I mean, yeah, I have a, there hasn't been a commercial flight crash in this country for years and years and years. Knocking but on you, wood now. Yeah, your small, small, small planes, though. I mean, whether you, you know what you're doing or not, no, no pranks in the planes, please. No. No. No, I don't I'll really want to get on a small plane anyway, let alone have wacky antics on small plane. I'm good. Is this anything? 
Two Florida boys were supposed to stay inside the house when they were home alone. But the family's doorbell camera caught them sneaking out. In the video, the older brother thinks that he fooled the camera by ducking, but it still totally caught him. And then, in typical brother fashion, he blames his younger brother for not ducking and getting them both caught. Oh, that's classic. Yeah, that's something for sure. Camera's off, you idiot. <laughs> did I you and your brothers it. fight like that? Like, did you and your brothers like go at it? Because uh, my well, kids see, don't really fight. Like, it's bizarre. Like, they're they're four years apart in age, but I've never really had to separate I have, them. I have three half brothers, a half sister. We never like I was old. I was always kind of the old, and I'm the oldest. So no, we didn't fight like that. We weren't very close in age. Now, the closer you are in age, the more vicious and it's go time. It's yeah, I have a feeling those two boys can you play it again real real quick, Sam? They're trying to evade the camera. You can't escape anything anymore with these cameras. They're everywhere these days. And uh did you delete it? I'm sorry, buddy. Oh you gotta play it again. No, no, that camera's going to go off now, you idiot. <laughs> right I love it, yeah. I ducked. Yeah, no, it's I ducked. Gone off. I ducked. Like, the whole thing is now up in smoke because of the younger brother. Yep. It's always the younger brother's fault. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. I've got a school board update from yesterday here in just a second. Also, uh, the Loudoun County School Board uh, superintendent indicted. More on that just in just a second. I did want to start off with another death at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Another I mean, one? Another one. Yeah, first he had uh, Grant Wall, a prominent journalist. Young, he's 48 years old. He's United States, covered soccer. His brother... Uh, was a gay man, and Qatar is not known for their acceptance and tolerance of homosexuality. So Grant Wall, you remember, uh, tried to get in the uh, stadium with a rainbow-colored flag, like an LGBTQ flag on. They wouldn't let him in. Um, And uh, so he made a lot of... uh, news about that and then but 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 that has nothing to do with it really or maybe it does it he was sitting there covering the uh i believe it was netherland argentina match where he just collapsed like sitting there typing on his computer all of a sudden just collapsed uh so that was that was big news and now you have a photojournalist from qatar covering the uh the games covering the matches and he uh, collapsed as well what's going on died suddenly there's a lot well, of look suddenly died going on in these games. Well, Grant Wall's brother, who again is gay, obviously grieving and and maybe speaking, um, you know, not using, you know, you're not with all his faculties, not emotionally, with his, very speaking emotionally, said he was killed. Does he think he was killed? Because Qatar, again, very oppressive when it comes to homosexuality. It's it could be uh, considered illegal there. You could be thrown in jail or worse there. Um, so, and then 
Look, it always runs through your mind, man. He was a perfectly healthy guy. He had said, I believe, that he was suffering from bronchitis. He had he had not been, he had been under the weather while he was there. He said he had some some chest issues and just collapsed all of a sudden. I don't know. Your mind goes lots of different places in this day and age when a perfectly healthy human being just collapses. He said he was fully vaxxed, triple boosted, whatever. Um, but we don't we don't know for sure. And, and this photojournalist, I, I don't really know any of the details other than he died suddenly. But it's um, very bizarre that a couple different I, journalists within two weeks both mysteriously die when they I seem know. to be in decent shape. And let's not forget how many people died while this city was getting organized and ready to host the World oh, Cup. Oh, those Nepalese migrants, I mean, there was averaging once a day, the working conditions were abysmal there in Qatar when they were building this this complex, these giant, gorgeous stadiums that looked amazing, but the the slave labor that they used and the way they were treated, people, I mean, thousands died over the past couple of years building this thing. So we have an update from a story that we had yesterday. So there was a woman named Jennifer Solon. She's a school board member in Pennsylvania, and they were having their school board meeting, and they were trying to figure out who they wanted to elect to be the next president of the school board. Oh, is this the uh, Is It Racist segment we did yesterday? That's 100% okay. correct. That's right. There were two, just two candidates for the school board president race, but this woman says even though one of the candidates is qualified and she could see him being the president, she couldn't vote for him because he's white. I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board president of this district sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken. This guy's qualified in every way, but boy, look at the color of his skin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not voting for you. You're really smart and you'd be great with the kids, but <laughs> you're white. <laughs> so that went viral. I think Fox News covered it. We talked about it yesterday. Update, she has, and I'm using air quotes, resigned, resigned. over uh -huh. her statement. The school superintendent put out a statement, quote, as a result of this incident, Ms. Solot has decided to resign from the board effective January of 2023. She wishes to apologize, blah, 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 blah. That sounds like she was voluntold to resign. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this other story too. Loudoun County, so, kind of ground zero for us, uh, you know, parents and school boards and implementation of transgender bathrooms and things like that. The uh, Loudoun County superintendent uh, overseeing that whole thing and the cover-ups of the student that was assaulted by a boy in a skirt in the bathroom, and it happened two different times with two different people. The uh, superintendent now indicted on a few misdemeanors also the public information officer of the school charged with felony perjury so they tried to cover all this up because they were implementing these these policies of transgender bathrooms and you remember the dad of the victim showed up which uh you know resulted uh, in the national school board association of of basically treating parents like terrorists the fbi treated dissenting parents as potential domestic threats um and and 
you know, I think that eventually led to the election of Glenn Youngkin, uh, which was sort of an upset, the Republican there, and all those. So they, they squashed it all. They tried to cover it up, and it was only, it's only a few misdemeanors for this this guy, but I guess it's something. I guess it's something, and I'm, I'm glad. Other teachers and other superintendents who look at this thing or try to cover crap like that up take notice because the parents definitely are. And I just have that feeling that this is happening all over the country. Loudoun just happened to be ground zero. Loudoun was the place where all hell was breaking loose yeah. and they got caught. And we'll have more on this type of stuff tomorrow when Tony Kennett joins us. In the meantime, let's shift gears and pump out some vaccine Ooh. stuff. Pharmacies, antibodies, side effects, vaccine stuff. So Florida's governor, Ronnie D, Ron DeSantis, Big Daddy D, he's announced a statewide grand jury to investigate COVID shot companies for fraud based on all the misrepresentations that were pumped out to the public about the efficacy of the vaccines. Good. Florida, you know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, we see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. And so it's not like this is something that's unprecedented. So today, uh, I'm announcing uh, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And we anticipate that we will get the approval for that. Uh, that will be something that will be impaneled, most likely in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, and that will come with legal processes that will be able uh, to get more information and to bring legal accountability for those who committed misconduct. Yeah, exactly. What do the pharmaceuticals know? Exactly when did they know this was not an effective vaccine in terms of stopping transmission or preventing the spread? Uh, if they would have just been clear and upfront with us and said, look, you know, I, this is not uh, this is not going to stop the spread, but it, it might keep you out of the hospital. That's the deal for these things. But no, that's not what they did. They shamed us. They shamed people that didn't want to get the vaccine. They shamed people that said, wait a minute, that started looking at the numbers and saying, wait, we're still getting COVID, even after they were saying everybody from Biden to Fauci to Burks were saying, oh, this is, you know, even the talking heads on TV, Rachel Maddow, this is a famous clip going around that said, oh, you're not going to get it. It's It, it ends with you. This is going to vaccine. The, the, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What a load of crap. And even Deb Burks, who was writing a book, knew that the vaccines were ineffective. She said as much uh, in and she knew as much in December uh, before the vaccines were released. She said she knew they didn't work the way they were being advertised to work. Did they? I mean, could you make an argument that they saved lives? Of course you can. But they were sold to us in a manner that was a complete and utter sham and a lie. And people need to be held accountable for that. In other COVID-related news, just when you thought it was safe to throw the mask away. Oh, no. Don't do it. CDC is talking about a return of the mask. Oh. Return of the mask. Who are you? Return, return of the mask. See the flu. Return of the mask. We know this what to do. Damn it. The CDC recommending that people wear masks indoors this holiday season. Nige, as a number of major U.S. cities 
are starting to mull mask mandates and masks uh, required indoors once again. I'm hearing a new term called a a triple-demic. Triple-demic. There's a threat of the triple-demic, so start to wear masks because, you know, the COVID and the flu and the RSV for kids. But I love, pre-2020, pay attention. All right, go back and look what the CDC Go back and look at what the CDC said about masking just for the flu. It said it didn't work. It didn't stop the flu. And now they're just casually including the flu here in the triple-demic spiel as reasons why you should mask up. What's changed? I don't know. It feels like as long as certain people have power in this country, the mask (laughs) debate will continue. (laughs) And I'm always really careful to put the hard K on mask debate because if you don't it sounds like this the president is trying to have us cover the mass debate cbs target and walgreens are getting in on the mass debate the mass debate now taking center stage at local restaurants it's nine minutes after six now and there's new video of a raging mass debate the great mass debate in west virginia might soon be coming to an end this mass debate is far from over how many mass debates have you gotten into was taken to a whole nother level Bishop David Zubik tells Pittsburgh's Action News 4 he found himself in the middle of a mass debate. And we're going deeper into this pedestal mass debate. So we're going to begin with this thing we're calling the great mass debate. <laughs> mass with a debate. K. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I love you. 41 right now at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. And Sam... I think we need some holiday memories right now. Holiday memories with Terry Stacy. One time, I got really drunk and I made Christmas cookies at 4 a.m. And the rolling pin I used was a Pabst Blue Ribbon tall boy. <laughs> and this has been Holiday <laughs> Memories with Terry Stacy. <laughs> I think I'd like to spend the holidays with the Stacys. I think after playing all of these holiday memories, I've come to the realization I wouldn't mind spending the holidays well, with the Stacey's. I mean, look, after, you know, we found out that her family wants deep fried a horse, then <laughs> that's something I need to get in on. So you brought a question to me the other day, and I thought this was really interesting. Yes. Do you consider any Christmas movies from the 2000s classics? Right, because when you think of classic Christmas movies, yeah. you know it's a Wonderful Life and all that kind of stuff. Even like Christmas Vacation, which came out, I believe, in Chris- the late eighties. Late eighty nine, that came out. A Christmas Story came out in eighty three. Those are definitely classics. So your question is, because a Christmas movie was was released in the early two thousands, which it's been you know twenty years or so, are those considered classics? I would probably say yes. Uh, it, it, Elf. Elf is certainly a classic that came out in the early 2000s. Uh, even, I mean, you could consider Bad Santa with Billy, Billy Bob. Bob Thornton a classic. What's our definition mm. of classic? Is it something that we watch year I, in and year I, I, out? I think, yes, and I think it's just ingrained in that in the culture um, in this time of year. 
I would say the movie with Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey. The ref is a classic. Well, hold on. That was released in the mid-90s. So maybe that's automatically a classic. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, but Love Actually. Now, I've never seen uh, Love you're Actually. You're lucky. <laughs> you are so damn lucky. And that's the movie we were talking about earlier. This with Hugh Grant. And that's the movie we were talking about where the director now feels guilty because it wasn't a diverse cast. Okay. So okay. So he's going to give all the money back and all the royalty rights sure, then, I'm sure. Sure. So Love Actually is probably considered a classic by most uh, I would consider the movie Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart and Anna Faris uh, a mid-2000s Christmas movie, a classic. Underrated for sure. If you haven't seen that, Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit is great. Very is there funny. a difference between a good Christmas movie and a classic? Because I would argue Just Friends, although a good movie, I don't know if I put that in the same category as Elf, where people dress up no, like Buddy you're right. and you it's know walk a, around to holiday parties. It's, it's probably not in the same category. I would tend to agree with you there, but just it was really funny. And quite frankly, I'd rather watch Just Friends than I would Elf. My kids would watch Elf. It's more, it's more a kid-friendly movie uh, than Just Friends is. Um, but, and some would argue that Just Friends isn't even a Christmas movie just because it takes place during Christmas time. Right. So, uh, but I, I would I would certainly say movies like Bad Santa, and as much as I hate to admit it, uh, Love Actually, those are classics. Hit us up on social media at Hammer and Nigel. Can a movie from the 2000s fall into the classics category? Whatever classic means to you, you have your own definition of classic at Hammer and Nigel. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. Van Hammer, another poll that's not looking too hot for Donald Trump. USA Today Suffolk University poll says Trump is beleaguered by midterm losses, courtroom setbacks. He had more wins than losses in the midterm. Let's be clear about that, I believe. But, you know, some of the the bigger losses, like Fetterman and Oz, for example. Herschel Took a beating Walker. in the center. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, tell us more about, like, when I see these, when I see these polls, it's like, and then you read the fine print, it's a poll of a thousand registered voters taken by cell phone on a Wednesday through a Sunday. I'm From like, the USA okay. Today. Uh, like, Okay. All right. There's probably still a lot you can glean from these polls, but it is still 2022, is it not? The presidential race doesn't really kick in for another year at the at the earliest. Right. And if you're a Republican or a conservative or somebody that just likes Donald Trump and you get a phone call and they say, hi, we're USA Today. Would you like to do a survey with us? Most people hang up the phone, right? Yeah. You don't want to talk to USA Today. No, I've never, first of all, I've never gotten a call like that. I don't answer phone calls I don't know in the first place. I don't answer numbers I don't recognize. For God's sake, I barely answer numbers I do recognize, like yours. I know, you ignore I, me like a mother. Uh, but I, 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 I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I've never, have you ever had a poll? Have you no, ever, my mom has, and it was 
brilliant. Somebody came and knocked on my mom's door. Oh, well, and that's it was a person. A Democratic pollster did not go well for that person. <laughs> Like, I don't know what it is about my mom and dad's yeah. house, but uh, Boss Hogsett tried to test my old man, and it didn't go yeah. well. And then in another election year, this was a couple of years back, some local Democratic pollster, you know, th- I think this was right after the riots, was doing a poll, yeah. and Mrs. Hammer, my mama, was not real happy with the Democratic Party. Take it, before we get to this poll, just take us back to the Hogsett story real quick with you and your old man in the summer. It, it was during a parade, right, down in... It was a beach grove. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with me. Right. I was doing the Wish TV TV show at the time, but there's a fall festival parade. That's right. Fall festival. And, you know, it's like the local high school bands and some floats. And my oldest son had the senior class float in there. But you also have the local politicians. They're in the parade route and they do the thing. They wave. Cindy Carrasco was part of the parade, right? Right. The, The GOP nominee. Right. For the prosecutor. Yeah. Well, Boss Hogsett was in the uh, parade, and what he likes to do, if you've ever seen him in a parade, whether it's the Indy 500 or wherever, he gets out of the car, and he gets up on the sidewalks, and he's doing the politician thing, and he's shaking hands, and he's running up to the house and doing all the things. Well, he tried to run up the stairs to my mom and dad's house, and my mom and dad started booing him. And my old man was giving him thumbs down. Boo! So he comes up and he wants to know, why are you booing me? He wants to know, like, like there couldn't be a myriad of reasons why he would get booed. So my dad, who, keep in mind, is like the most mild-mannered, chill dude alive, right? I don't, I don't think I've met your old man. I don't know. I've never. He's very laid back. Guys. Okay. And uh, Boss Hogsett comes up. <laughs> he's like, why are you booing for me? And something snapped. Like Stone Cold Steve Hammer at that moment just snapped. And he talked about the crime. And he talked about the riots. And Boss Hogsett tries to tell my dad, well, homicides are going down. Which just pissed him off oh, even sure. more. Yeah. Because his response was, last year was a record. And there's nowhere to go but down. And where were you the two nights of the riots? Let the record clearly state my old man uh, has asked the mayor yeah. where he was during those nights of the riots, and all these little reporters and butt sniffers in this city have oh, not done that. Nobody asked him a bit. Yeah, kudos to your old man. All right, that's, <laughs> I just had to relive that story for once. That's that may be my favorite political moment of the year 2022. Like, this was, was an election dad. year. We yeah. had a lot going on, you know, a lot of good sound bites. But my old man, DePantzing Boss Hogshead <laughs> on the parade route, pound for pound, my favorite moment. What it, did, did Hogshead just turn around and walk away? Yeah, he turned around and just kind of ran back out there with that goofy <laughs> smile on his face, back out on the parade route. Well, why would you be booing me? What? Somebody's booing me? How could I mean? Come on, you got to think at some point. <laughs> Somebody somewhere. I, I mean, like my yeah. I think my dad probably would have done the same thing. Right. The only guy that doesn't like Hogset more than your dad is my dad. The thing is, man, like if you're boss Hogset of all the houses yeah, on that parade route, <laughs> the one you pick to go up and try to have a little debate with is Papa Hammer. <laughs> so good. Uh, oh, do you have a problem, Nige, with the Good Morning America oh. personalities doing the hibbity-dibbity with each other? This Amy Robach and TJ Holmes, they've been taken off air on ABC because it came out they were having an affair with each other. Two anchors oh, that yeah, started yeah, yeah. hooking up with each other. Um, I, I don't really 
care. I, if, if nobody would have said anything, I wouldn't have known the difference, but it made the news is the problem. And the executives at Good Morning America said it was a, quote, distraction when I believe they were both married. Right. And have to other people. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I should have been, I should have gone on and been more, a little more specific. Uh, I mean, look, isn't it, it's not a distraction for Mika and Morning Joe. Right. I think they were both maybe splitting up or had, had, I, I'm not sure what the circumstances were. When one of them was still up. married yeah, yeah, when they yeah, started yeah, working yeah. with each other. And then neither one of them were married and they married each other right. afterwards. So if you, so they're still off the air, the, the, the Holmes and the Robach, right? Amy Robach and TJ Holmes still off the, I've never watched that crap. I don't but either. I, it's, it's, it's mainstream news though. And, um, does it no, matter that they're like in a relationship though? Like I don't watch the news and think, you know what? I really want to believe Amy Robach, but she's married to her anchor. <laughs> she's hooking up with her anchor. Like, I don't think it's that and big of I a deal to I me. I have no idea what's going on in their personal lives to begin with. Maybe they're split up. Maybe they're, um, you know, maybe they, they're not divorced with their spouses, but they've moved out. I have no clue what the situation is. No, I don't care. So you bring up uh, Mika and Morning Joe. I remember when Donald Trump was the president and the kids in cages was the big story. Remember? Kids in cages, mm. kids in cages. Donald Trump is separating children from their families. Yeah. Now, more often than not, they failed to report that the cages were built by Obama sure. and Donald Trump yeah. was just going along with the policy. But MSNBC, Morning Joe and Mika, knowing what we know about those two, how they hooked up together, it ruined a marriage, they had the audacity to talk about Donald Trump separating families, yeah. and then Tucker Carlson took them to task. His calculated cruel separation of young children from their parents at the Mexico border. Ripping babies from mother's arms at the border. Man, you could just feel the passion there. <laughs> if there's one thing Joe Scarborough won't count, he's not a judgy man, but if there's one thing, politics aside, the Joe considers just totally immoral and wrong. It's separating families. I mean, call them old-fashioned, but Joe just doesn't believe in that. It's not how he was raised. Breaking up that sacred unit, two parents, husband and wife, raising their kids together. Anyone who would break up and separate a family, says Joe Scarborough, is beneath contempt. The lowest of the low. Disgusting. As Joe's third wife put it so aptly, family separation is simply calculated and cruel. It's just not something decent people do, just so That's you know. Phenomenal. Just a master class <laughs> yeah. in being a smart ass right there. I love it. All right, Matt Bear, what's going on? Name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer's got a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Don Fisher is the iconic voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Fish, I want to talk some basketball here in just a moment, but you're also the voice of the football Hoosiers, and the college football world lost a charismatic figure uh, in Mike Leach, the head coach of Mississippi State, passing away. Uh, if you wouldn't mind... Tell me your thoughts on Mike Leach. Well, the one thing that I will always remember about Coach Leach was the fact that he was an innovator and was not afraid to say exactly what he thought 
Um, and obviously uh, a guy that when, when you're an innovator, you're going to try a lot of different things and you're going to be able to accomplish those things. And I thought Coach Leach was exactly that kind of guy. No matter where he went, he instituted what he believed and uh, always did things a little bit differently than just about everybody else. Uh, but I, I really respected what the man did as a college football coach. And uh, anybody that knows anything about college football knows that this guy was special. Every single person I've heard speak about Mike Leach has said the same thing. Yes, phenomenal coach, always got the most out of the players that he had, but he was so innovative. He was out of the box, and in a world where everybody is supposed to you know, say the right things, not be controversial, it was normal for Mike Leach to tell you on you know, a broadcasted football game, candy corn sucks, coffee doesn't work, and it's nasty, <laughs> things like that. Exactly right. I mean, he had no filter, and he didn't care what people thought. He was going to say what he believed, and uh, you got to respect that about a man like that. We're chatting with Don Fisher, voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So, Fish, uh, good news, bad news with Indiana. The bad news is they went out to Arizona. I'm sorry, they went out to Vegas, lost to Arizona. Kind of an ugly game, but I guess if you want to call this good news, they get a chance to go against another really good team this Saturday in Kansas. Give me your thoughts on what you've seen so far from the basketball Hoosiers. Well, at this juncture, I mean, it's kind of what I expected to see. I thought Indiana would handle themselves pretty well in the early going. They would probably lose a couple of ball games against two of the better teams that they faced. They've done exactly well. They've lost one. Uh, to one of the better teams that they faced. The, the Rutgers team that they, they got beat by uh, a couple of weeks ago, that, that loss was disappointing because I thought they took a step backward uh, based on what we've seen so far this year in that game. Uh, they just got out toughed. Uh, and Rutgers is one of those teams that's uh, blue-collar. They come in there and they play defense as hard as anybody in the country. They go back. They go right at you the entire time, and I didn't think Indiana responded to it very well at all. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you get beat sometimes, and hopefully, you learn from that. Uh, I'm not sure that Indiana learned as much as I would hope that they would learn, but it takes time. And and you've got a basketball team here that's got some new players on it. They've been without one of those key players and Jalen Hood Shafino for four games now. We're hoping that he's going to be available for the Kansas ball game upcoming. But I like this basketball team. I think they've got the tools to be special. And there's no doubt in my mind that Mike Woodson can get the job done. Right now, though, they're a little bit of a hurt. They've lost a couple of ball games out of the last three or four ball games now. And, and that's obviously something that you can't deal with in a positive way. You've got to deal with it in a tough way. And I know Woodson had a really tough practice yesterday. And it's probably going to be the same today as they go into this week because there's no doubt Kansas is going to give them all they can handle. Fish, can you describe what your definition of a tough practice is? Like, can you get us behind the scenes here? And, you know, they're coming off a tough loss in Vegas to Arizona. What does a tough Mike Woodson practice entail? Well, I know yesterday that they went and rebounded just about the entire practice. (laughs) (laughs) Probably warranted after the Arizona game. Probably warranted. 
they had they had the lid on the basket, which means there there's no way for the ball to go in the hole. No kidding. <laughs> so that ball comes off every time, and those guys had to bang one another for you know I don't know how many uh, practice sessions or or how many long how lengthy this practice session was. I do know it was longer than normal, and uh, there's no question that uh, they were they were probably a little banged and bruised once they got done. So that, that's basically what you're talking about in regard to a, a tough practice, especially under Mike. So Kansas Jayhawks, one of the iconic brands of college basketball. The game is Saturday, and I love that this is a campus game. Have you called a game in Allen Fieldhouse, Fish? I've called two there, yes, back in the day, and I haven't looked up the game, which games they were at this point or what year, because I'm old and I don't remember those <laughs> things anymore. But uh, I, we played twice there. Uh, we won there one time and got beat there one time. So it's a one-and-one scenario for Indiana basketball since Don Fisher's been doing them, and that's 50 years long. What's the atmosphere wow. like there? Like when they start that rock chalk Jayhawk yeah. chant, what's it like? It's special. There's no question about it. It's it's a great venue. Uh, Allen Fieldhouse is one of the oldest uh, venues in the country, and yet it's still very vol- It's it's one of those that you want to go to. You want to be a part of. It's like it's really like Indiana University's Assembly Hall. It's very iconic in that regard. Uh, it's a great venue, but the 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 Rock Chalk Jayhawk chants and all that kind of thing just makes it special. And it'll be a rocking place because. They know when Indiana comes to town. And this is the other thing that, guys, people don't recognize this or realize it, even though Indiana hasn't been as relevant in in the last 20 years that they were back in the night era. But here's the thing. Indiana still has tremendous value. When that Indiana is on the front of the uniform and you come into that place, everybody wants to beat you. They want to beat you because you've won five national championships and you know it's going to be a special ball game. And that's why almost every time Indiana goes someplace, the place is packed. Fish got about a minute left here. And I know it's been about a month, but uh, you inducted into the Indiana Athletics Hall of Fame. And just tell me what that means to you. Well, it, it's it's special. There's no question about that. To, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with the other athletes yeah. <laughs> that are in there and obviously some great administrators as well but to, to be a, a broadcaster uh just the second broadcaster that's ever been inducted and the other is dick enberg who wow. was there for a short time but obviously was an iconic figure from a sports casting perspective with dick enberg and bob hamill the only other media related person that's in the hall of fame at indiana university to be amongst those two guys uh, and to be the third guy in there in that realm, in that realm it, it just makes it uh, probably one of the great honors of my life yeah, congratulations you deserve it fish well it's much appreciated there's no question about it whether deserved or not <laughs> <laughs> oh it's totally deserved it's totally warranted uh the game is saturday the hoosiers at kansas it's going to be a rocking environment Tip-off is at noon, pregame at 11, right here on 93 WIBC, your home for the Hoosiers. Fish, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It was a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, we got uh, Tony Katz lined up. Tuesdays with Tony coming up right now. Let's take a look at the news. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey. Pretty boy. Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. Hammer's here. My name is Nigel. Hooking up live with Tony Katz. Tuesdays with Tony. We've had a few days to let the uh, WNBA basketball player trade sink in. Brittany Griner for the Merchant of Death, a Russian uh, arms dealer. Tony, your initial reaction when you saw that and if maybe your thoughts have changed or um, evolved over the past couple of days on that trade. Uh, yeah, I my my thoughts have not changed. Um I want Americans home. Yes. I have no problem with Brittany Griner being uh, home. Uh, the question is, is this the deal that you make? And I think more and more the answer is no. We've heard from DOJ officials. This is a bad deal. We have heard uh, from people who have been in these conversations that this was a bad deal. It's not a bad deal to bring Americans back. It's a bad deal if you're not getting everything you can in these kinds of situations. I don't excuse Brittany Griner's behavior. I accept the fact that the Russians cannot be trusted, and that is what was more paramount. But when we talk about, for example, whether it's Paul Whelan or or anybody else, uh, you gave up a guy like Victor Bout one-on-one. And that is something we heard uh, that Trump wouldn't, didn't do. John Bolton has backed the former ambassador of the U.N. who was there, worked with Trump until they hated each other, which I guess is true of everybody who's, I guess, ever worked with Trump, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and backed up that story. And there could be reasons for that. You cannot just simply do a deal because you have to do a deal. There's a level of weakness here, and I think it's shown by people like John Kirby, uh, the, the, the retired admiral there, who works... Uh, in the Department of Defense, uh, spokesperson for the Department, uh, uh, I believe, Department of, the, of Defense, isn't he? The um, Pentagon, yeah. Or, or, or was the Pentagon with the National Security uh, Council. Um, he has made the statement that when it comes to kidnappings, well, that ship has sailed. He said that to Martha McCallum. So are we now, because yeah. of this deal, going to expect more kidnappings because Russians or others feel they can get a good deal and get some of their people back out of it? And that's a great point, Tony, because we asked the question on the air, is the world a safer place because of this deal? And I don't think you can say that it is. And I'm with you. I'm happy Brittany Griner is not imprisoned. You can say what you want about her thoughts on this country, on what she likes to do, whatever. I don't want an American imprisoned for some bull crap. But at the same time, this deal... This is a bad deal, and if I had a son or a daughter who's studying abroad right now, I don't think I'd feel real comfortable because we've laid the groundwork. If you lock up an American, you can get whatever you want. It's it's everything we shouldn't want. It's certainly everything we should be opposed to, and we didn't do it here. And part of the problem is that you have a populace, or at least an administration, and those who support the administration and media who don't have a, a connection to history and don't have a broader approach to other to anything other than their immediate emotional satisfaction. And so the only thing that matters is you brought Brittany Griner home. And that wasn't enough. Van Jones told you that it was important to bring this 
black icon home. And that wasn't enough because Randy Weingarten from the American Federation of Teachers, who kept your kids out of school and completely screwed over their education, told us it was important to bring this black gay icon home. Their immediate virtue signaling emotional satisfaction over the good, the long-term good of the nation and how these things play out. That's the only thing they care about. The future means nothing to them because no matter what happens in the future, it'll be a Republican's fault. I got a question for you. I heard you talking on your show last week about deciding on where to, to take your family on vacation and, and you weren't specific on where you were going. Do you, I mean, would you have a, a big problem going down to, to visit Mexico or going overseas somewhere in Europe or or someplace like Japan or someplace like that? I no, mean, no, you, no, 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 no. You, you know well, what I mean? Well, like, I wouldn't be in, I, I won't go to Mexico. Uh, yeah. Mexico for me needs to clean up a, a lot of their act. And people are like, well, what about Cancun or this? Yeah. That's not really Mexico now, is it? <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but no, I, I did look at a, at a lot of places. I, I, I looked into Rome, uh, uh, very, very aggressively. We looked at Tokyo. We looked at London. Uh, we didn't end up, uh, leaving the country, uh, for, for this one. But no, I, I wouldn't have any issue with, with going overseas. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Are you worn out yet from the Twitter files? Is this something that's really going to move the needle? Because I've got real concerns, Tony, that Elon Musk doesn't really want this to be a big story, despite the fact that he's kind of orchestrating this. The time that they're putting these Twitter dumps out there, nobody's paying attention to it. So I don't know. I've got very mixed feelings on these Twitter files. What about you? Yeah, I think you're in your own head right there. Maybe. Why, why would you make the assumption that no one's paying attention to it? Because ABC, NBC, and CBS aren't? They suck. Of course they're not paying attention uh, to it. Dear Lord, we had in the Indiana 1st District, Jennifer Ruth Green, who served in the U.S. military, her military records were leaked, ending up with the Congressman Frank Levan given to a so-called reporter in Indianapolis yeah. and then shared via Politico. And the Indianapolis media didn't do a holy damn thing, didn't ask a question, didn't tell a story about it. But if there was something about wokeism to discuss, you better believe that the people of CBS4 or of RTV or W. WTHR, your personal friend, Hammer, they would be all over that story. So I'm I'm not with you. The fact that those uh, outlets are such failures, just like they are in central Indiana, and not covering these stories doesn't mean these things aren't getting discussed and doesn't mean that there aren't ramifications. But the time they're being dumped, and you've been covering this kind of stuff for a long time. You know this, Tony. That's called the news dump time. When you put something out Friday night, Saturday night, you know it's not going to get the same coverage as something else. And yeah. Elon Musk knows that. This isn't his first rodeo. These journalists that are putting it out there, they know this. This isn't their first rodeo. The time is very suspect to me. I, I And I think that's legitimate. I did bring that up. The, the expression is called taking out the trash. When you see a story dumped Friday at, at 5.30 p.m., it's because they don't want the news outlets to be able to speak about it that evening. Then the weekend happens. And on Monday, you're into a whole new news cycle, so it didn't become a big deal. It's called taking out the trash. And that's how this indeed started, and I said it at the time. I didn't like uh, the timing of it. And we've seen certainly some of the other stories come out at weirder times. Uh, but I, I'm willing to accept the fact that what they are releasing...
the idea that Twitter looked at what Donald Trump wrote on January 8th, determined that it wasn't a violation of their terms of service, yes. and then Vijaya Gade, who headed up uh, the, the safety protocol, said, yeah, but if we look at it this way, it violates, so let's just do that. They invented a reason to throw Donald Trump off while they kept the Ayatollah Khomeini on. <laughs> That's Which, a story. By the way, I don't know if you know this, you can send DMs to the Ayatollah. His DMs are open, so you can troll him in real time, Tony. So, so what would I send him? Well, when the World Cup was going on, I was running my mouth quite a bit when the U.S. was playing Iran, so there's that. Oh, well, I, yeah, I, I would never think of wasting my time on such a thing. If, if I'm going to troll, yeah. if I'm going to troll the Ayatollah, aren't I sending him, like, like uh, I don't know, pictures of bagels or, or something? So wait a minute. I'm the bad guy because I'm trolling his soccer team, but you're going to send him bagels and that makes you, like, some sort of, you know, like, King of the trolls? I don't Bagels, get it. Bagels, latkes, circumcisions, <laughs> whatever. Oh. Oh. No? Well, well, yes? Maybe. Maybe. Oh. I'll, 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 I'll leave it right there. I love you have just random photos of circumcisions just hanging around. <laughs> right. Well, um, I, one of the things I heard you talking about this week, the change in leadership at the uh, RNC, and you believe uh, that Ronna McDaniel should go. Why is that, and, and who should replace her? Somebody like Harmeet Dillon, who has thrown her name in the hat there. Yeah, I, I, and I've heard a lot of people discuss Harmeet Dillon, and, uh, and, and I have no problem with that. I don't have a, a person. What I have is a recognition that Ronna McDaniel hasn't done the job. I'm not angry with her, but if you don't get the job done, you have to go. They got rid of Frank Reich. He was a better coach than uh, than Jeff Saturday, just based on the record, and uh, and they still got rid of him. So sometimes, you, you if you're not getting the job done, even though you're not necessarily a bad person, I don't think anybody thinks Coach Reich's a bad person, you got to go. Rona McDaniels had three elections in a row where she hasn't brought it home. Got to go. That's all there is to it. The name that I like the most, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen, is Lee Zeldin. Lee uh, Zeldin said, he said he's not going to do it. it. He I said, know it. I think he makes sense, though. Like I, I think he makes a lot of sense. But So picture the scenario, because we can all walk through this. He took a look at the tea leaves. He took a look at the people who vote across the country, and he saw that Rona McDaniel had the votes, and he said, why engage that fight? There's another fight for me. And that's the problem. There isn't enough of the Republican base to actually do things like make changes because they're all in favor of just go along to get along and it's good enough. If you think that Trump ever cleaned the swamp, you have no idea how deep that swamp is and there are a lot of damn tributaries. One more thing before we let you go. We talked to Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch last night on our show. She came in the studio. I think you talked to her this morning. What do you think about her announcement that she's going to be running for governor? Uh, as as I said on, on the show uh, today, on Tony Katz today, the midday show, um, I think both her and Mike Braun have a serious issue with answering questions. Hmm. Um, there is not a concreteness to uh, their answers. There is not a specificity to their answers. And I think they're coming at this, if this is the way they decide to run, they're coming at this all the wrong way, because I don't think that's what's going to move primary voters. Uh, I think that primary voters want answers to questions, and they're going to want answers to social questions, specifically questions about transgender athletes here uh, in the state. Where are they going to be on abortion and fighting the law? 
lawsuits that are going on about the legislation that was passed and signed into law. And if if Senator Braun or Lieutenant Governor Crouch think they can go through an entire primary without discussing these things, well, then we're going to need some more people to run for governor. What's coming up on the big shows tomorrow? Well, Purdue has got a new coach, so we're going to break down what's going on there. And then, of course, what will be the charges against Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX? And how did this day of, uh, of hearings go? Am I a horrible person because I hope he gets hurt in prison, Tommy? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Geez. Oh, wait. Hold on. No, you're not a horrible person for that. <laughs> okay, good, good. I love you had to go down the checklist just to make sure, though. I appreciate it. I really that. did. <laughs> He's on social media, at Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Later. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. More Hammer and Nigel Show after 6 o'clock. They arrested the crypto creep. Good. And he uh, will be facing some major charges. Uh, that is coming up also. The inflation numbers are out for November. Some say they're good. Some say they're bad. I guess it's just depending on how you look at it. Right. What's your definition of bad? <laughs> we, we will uh, cover all that and more with the Hammer Nigel show here Uh Tom DeLong from Blink-182 is 47 years old. I'm happy that my youngest son is discovering Blink-182's music right now. We talked on Wish TV earlier today that I hate that Jacob, my youngest one, is a kid that thinks LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. I feel like I failed as a father there. But the (laughs) fact that he digs music from Blink-182 makes me feel like maybe I'm not as bad as I think. Uh, And my kid's a little bit younger than yours is. I remember during the summer, or maybe it was last summer, we we went to see uh, Space Jam with LeBron, and he didn't know anything about the Michael Jordan version. Again, he's 10, but all his buddies like LeBron asked if we could go out and get a Lakers hat after the show. I was like, yeah, all right, fine. But soon he's going to learn about the ways and the talent and the stardom of Michael Jordan. I promise I will teach him that. So Tom DeLong, Blink-182 guitarist, they're going back out on tour. They're back together as a band. They'll be out on tour next year. Not so, coming to Indy, though, which is a bummer. Oh, I think the well, closest they're coming is Chicago. He did have he, – he left the band to go, like, investigate UFOs for a while. Tom, <laughs> Tom DeLong did. Like, which seriously. Is, uh, yeah, he started a foundation, hired a bunch of people. It was a, like a think tank or something like that where people actually did research and studies on UFOs. Uh, Taylor Swift is 33 years old today. She's getting up there. Yeah, to me, Blink-182 greater than Taylor Swift, though. I, I'm not, I, would, I would agree. I don't care about her Ticketmaster scandal because I think she knew exactly what was going on, and now she's trying to look like she's the victim here. You agreed to it all. You agreed to it, Taylor. Steve Buscemi is 65 years old. Love Steve Buscemi. One of my favorite uh, character actors of all time. Loved him in Fargo. Loved him in Boardwalk Empire. Right. He did a lot of Sandler movies. Airheads was great. (laughs) He was in Armageddon. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC.